This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. Here, Reggie asks what makes meditation unique when compared to other approaches to health, well-being, exploration, and discovery. He says it is the direct experience of emptiness found in the practice of completely letting go. This talk was given in 2009 at a Dhyana Sangha retreat held at the Blazing Mountain Retreat Center in Crestone, Colorado. Now the question is, what is it about meditation? You know, because, you know, as a Naropa faculty member and as a person who, you know, I meet a lot of different people who say a lot of different things about what they get out of different experiences and types of, uh, you know, spiritual practice. What is it that makes meditation different? For example, um, even from jogging. You know, some people, um, somebody's just saying to me, you know, I don't really practice anymore, but I jog. And, you know, I get a lot out of it. Um, You know, people in our community take ayahuasca. People in our community work with shamans. You know, there's a lot of interesting things going on. All of these are interesting, in, in my opinion. But I don't think they're sufficient. And I was just trying to think this morning, well, what is it about meditation that really is different? You know, if we look at, um, say, jogging or, or sports exercise, there is definitely an experience of mindfulness, of shamatha. And there's definitely, the mind does slow down and does settle. And, you know, if... Uh, If we like to jog in the mountains, we have to become very mindful, you know, or you're going to get hurt. And that's, that is a mental discipline. And often after doing that, we feel very similar to how we might feel after meditating. So that's, that's a question. There's very good shamatha. Um, And with other things that we do, there are definitely impactful things that go on with us. But is there something about meditation as a practice that sets it apart really from pretty much everything else we could think of. And I think there is something different. And strangely enough, it's, it's the, the thing about that made the Buddhist teaching different from what everybody else was doing. And that is, you know, to put it in a very simple way, the experience of emptiness. The true experience of non-self the experience of a level of our being where not only is there no thought, there's no ambition, there's no direction, and in fact there isn't even a watcher. There isn't even anybody paying attention to what's going on. There's simply open, empty awareness itself. And, you know, I think with, um, for example, with a lot of the other things that we might do, 
you know, such as, uh, you know, drug experience or shamanism, you know, where there's definitely, um, it's definitely a bigger world that we run into. But for example, with shamanism, what I find uh, pretty much universally is there's no real emptiness. There's, there, there's always a set of values. There's always a set of assumptions, however subtle, that really aren't questioned. And the interesting thing about Buddhism is everything's questioned. Everything is thrown into the pit, so to speak. Everything is jettisoned. And there's a, a kind of um, kamikaze approach in the Dharma where uh, for some reason there are certain people that are curious, what happens if I let go of everything? What happens if I actually let go of everything that I think, everything that I've been assuming and everything that I want? Let go means not in a physical way that you walk away from it, but mentally, which is really where the prison exists, what happens if I let that prison go? What happens? What is going to happen? And there's, you know, to do that, when you begin to ask yourself that question, you start to realize that normally in life, we're, you know, paranoia is the reigning emotion. Paranoia means that somehow I've got to stay in control. I've got to, even in terms of what I do, I have to always sort of hold on at some fundamental level to myself. I can't really let go. I mean, our whole human existence is based on it, and most of the spiritual things that we do are based on the very same paranoia. I'm going to, I'm going to do this because. I'm going to do these mantras. I'm going to take this Abhisheka. I'm going to go study with this teacher because I want, 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 and what I want to do is deal with my fear and my paranoia and, you know, make sure that I'm okay. And sometimes, you know, in humans, this question comes up, well, wait a minute, hold it. What would happen if I let it go? There's an enormous trust in life beyond us, beyond our agendas, beyond our human world, in order to even have that inspiration. There's this incredible trust in life and it's not a trust that we can prove, but it's a trust that we feel and we want to explore. We want to find out if we don't hang on to our thing, then what? That's the spiritual question always. And meditation is the one way we can actually pull the plug on the whole process. And of course, it does take time. When we sit in the beginning, it really is all about me for a long time. But then at a certain point, and maybe even early on, we begin to have experiences where we start to see life from a completely different angle. And the interesting thing about meditation is it opens up the experience, and a lot of other things do. Shamanism does, drugs do, um, you know, different experiences with different traditions. So in that sense, the Dharma is maybe not all that different, you know, because um, you know, meditation does open up those, those questions and those levels of experience. But what meditation does that is incredibly powerful is we actually train moment by moment not to make anything out of it. In other words, you, two things are going on. One is you're seeing the world in a much bigger way. And number two is you're being trained not to turn it into another storyline another more sophisticated storyline, another just bigger, more uh, sophisticated ego situation. 
And that's what, um, there may not be any other way to do that second part, which is learning how to let go, moment by moment, of our tendency to centralize and create more stories and more glorious versions of ourselves. In the, um, you know, as you may have read in the you know, 60s and 70s, uh, you know, people took huge amounts of LSD, and Rimshay did too. You know, he, he was up for pretty much anything you could come up with, he was right there. And um, he did LSD, uh, you know, particularly very, very early on, uh, you know, with some of his students numerous times. And he didn't really have much to say for a while. People were going, wow, did you see that? And, you know, isn't this unbelievable? And you kind of nod. And finally what he said was, um, yeah, I mean, LSD opens things up hugely, but the problem is it turns into just a much more subtle version of ego because you take the information that you get and because you don't have the training in meditation, you do the only thing that any of us can do, which is we feed it back into our version of ourselves and we use it to create more territory. And therefore, he said, he called LSD super samsara. Meaning, um, once you had your LSD version of reality, it was a lot harder to let it go than it was your ordinary day-to-day version, which wasn't really very interesting and was clearly not very fulfilling. But the LSD version is so much more interesting and includes so much more that once you become enamored of the view of the world that comes out of whatever your personal experience was, really caught, really, really caught. And um, at the time, of course, you know, with a lot of the things Rinpoche said, we were highly skeptical. Because so much of what he said just didn't, it didn't really kind of, uh, it didn't sit that well with us. And there were people, you know, Timothy Leary and, uh, um, you know, Ram Dass and other people who basically were saying LSD is the answer. And it's, 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 it's better because it's not as hard as meditation. All you have to do is just pop something in your mouth and you're making a journey. And it was very compelling. And there were, you know, there was a whole generation that basically bought into it. And Rinpoche's thing was, well, you know, maybe it's not that easy. And maybe you actually have to work with your own tendency to feed yourself and to aggrandize and centralize. And maybe um, without that, uh, all these experiences aren't really going to serve you, but actually they're going to hang you up. And as usual with him, he just put it out there. I mean, he didn't, he never argued anything, but he would just, you know, suggest that possibility. Well, I think it's coming around to us now in this world um, that we're facing, um, you know, a universal uh, fire of consuming, including spirituality. We can't go the organized religion route, really, many of us can't, because that obviously is part of the problem. Nor can we just follow whatever we feel an appetite for. Um, So where does that leave us? It leaves us, you know, I think at our heart and soul in the practicing lineage, which is simply the practice of meditation. And I do feel that's what we all share, is um, a passion for that and a commitment to it. And, and I think it's out of that that, uh, you know, whatever it is we need to be will come.
To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet, Cry of the Snow Lion.